You're listening to a certain degree. This is Nick Jurgudiu. I will be serving as your host for this best of clip show that we've been doing for a while now since we can't get into the WPRK studios. This is a look back on some conversations with past guests. We talk about some of their favorite things. I won't sing a song, but I will tell you it's about t-shirts. It's about literary crimes. It's about beer. And there was one other. Oh yeah, our favorite dystopian futures. We recorded that one back in January 2019 before we realized uh, dystopian futures came true. Really, really true. Enjoy. This aired originally on WPRK October 5th, 2020. Sorry, I had to think of the date. Hello. You are listening to A Certain Degree. I'm your host, Nick Jorgudiu. This is episode 199, and I'm willing to bet it turns into one of your favorites. First, there are amazing people on this episode. Ryan Revis, Ashley Ann Gardner, Brendan Byrne, and Victoria Walsh. Another reason it's going to be one of your favorites is all the clips come from episodes where these four return to the WPRK studios. This was their second appearance on the show, and they talked about their favorite things. So it'll be your favorite because they're talking about their favorites. That makes sense in my head. Let's get this party started with Victoria Walsh, a.k.a. the Macrame Mama. She's discussing something I can never let go of, and maybe you're the same. T-shirts. What is it about them that gives us a visceral connection to a memory of an event or a time in our life? And what happens when we have so many? We forget the ones we have that would be perfect in a specific occasion. I went to a Star Wars art show at Hourglass <laughs> Brewing. Yeah. Um, and every, like a bunch of people were there. And then I looked later and realized I had two Star Wars related shirts I could have worn, but I had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And if I just had some sort of spreadsheet or alternately I had an app, this is maybe another bad business idea yeah. that shows me what I'm doing. The app looks at all those things and has a mm-hmm. searchable database mm-hmm. of all my shirts. Mm-hmm. It says, hey, Nick, you might want to wear this shirt today mm-hmm. because, you know, it's related to the event that you're going to. Recommended apparel. Yeah. That'll be our app name. I'm I into like it. it. I like it. See, you just you didn't even know what you had. But at that point, it's too many. You need to be able to know off of the top of your head which ones you can pull out from the deep, dark depths. And if it was one of those torn, nasty... Not to wear it. Like, you wouldn't wear it out. Yeah. So then that's when you need to make it into a tote or a quilt at that point. To tote me, quilt. To me, those are, you know, right. just my I, opinions. I will, I will buy that. So what's a future tote slash quilt shirt for you as we end the first hour here? All right. On Odd Numbers with Victoria Walsh. This one I'm super excited about. It's my Otronicon shirt. Okay. Otronicon staff shirt, I will say so. And I am uh, quite proud of that one because I love Orlando Science Center. I went to summer school there when I was a kid. I had so many birthday parties there at the old kids town. I volunteered in high school to get my Bright Future scholarships there. I... Worked there when I was pregnant, and then right after I had Mabel, like after the pedicabbing, I was like, all right, let me go get a real job. And this was my real job, facilitating in the kids' town area. I did workshops there with them. Um, and now I, I work as like a, a vendor that comes in and facilitates fiber art workshops for them here and there. Mm-hmm. So they've been a part of my life all along. 
um, Orlando native, love them. So Otronicon is an event that they have and it's epic. It usually like sells out, like you have to park blocks away and come in and like everybody wants to go to Otronicon. They have awesome tech industry stuff that's there and they gave out these absurdly neon green Otronicon staff t-shirts to all of us. What year was this? Um, this would have been 2017. And so it's like a bright neon, almost yellow green that has Otronicon just written on the front with a little OSC logo. And then on the back of it, it says staff. So people can know that you're like a part of the cool stuff going on. And I was just really excited because and bother you with questions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was, you know, but I'm there for that. Like I loved that. And normally we had to wear these like purple regular old Orlando Science Center shirts, but that day we got to wear a super special t-shirt and they gave it to all the employees and we got really excited. Like it was a casual Friday type thing, but I just love that silly t-shirt and it's definitely like two sizes too big. Don't care. It's like the best sleeping t-shirt or I'm going out and I don't want anybody to talk to me t-shirt. It's really good. Yeah. Now Tronicon is typically a few days, right? It's a weekend thing. Yeah. I think it's like a I want to say, don't quote me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing, but I feel like it it was like another weekday. Did you have uh, multiple t-shirts, one for each day, or was it just the one? Just the one. Okay. Yeah, they did sometimes like special t-shirts I also have from them, not on my list, but also um, right after the Pulse incident, they released like a purple t-shirt, the same color of our employee purple, but we had an option of wearing it, and instead of it just being plain, it had a dinosaur like silhouette and then the silhouette would had like a rainbow screen print mm. over that silhouette. So it was just like a really subtle like nod um, to support in that community. And that's also a really cool t-shirt. So I liked being able to have the option of wearing that. Um, I did not get to wear my Otronicon t-shirt all the time because it was that bright green, but I could wear and alternate out that purple that other one. rainbow dinosaur. So not many people I think would choose a work shirt but uh, I think working at the Orlando Science Center. It's the coolest thing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a great non-for-profit. Yeah. And I got to work in Kidstown. So we were just facilitating like Crafty Corner and Tinker Time and climbing in the climber with kids or making huge forts that went out of foam yoga blocks that we all got to run through and knock down and just really neat developmental stages that being an only child, I didn't have a sibling to watch go through and I really needed when I was becoming a mom and so many of the guests that were there, like knew me from when I was not even showing pregnant to like really, really big. Mm -hmm. And then I would come back and they're regulars. They have memberships, you know, so they would come in and check on me. I had so many people that were like, Oh, we've got extra clothes. Let me come drop them off or, you know, giving me tips about this and that or recommendations about Lamaze classes and some stories I don't really want to hear because they were scary, but like all of that was so welcome. And it was just a neat community between the, employees but also just the members themselves and even still like I go back there all the time and bring my daughter now but as a guest and it's it's neat to to know that I still have that science center family right down the road. Victoria Walsh on WPRK 91.5 FM you're listening to a certain degree my name is Nick. T-shirts that connect us to family I love that idea. This was recorded in April 2019, and I think I can speak for Victoria when I say I hope we can get back to doing events like Otronicon and others safely, whether that's in the new year or sooner, because events like that at places like the Orlando Science Center are important to the fabric of our community. Hey, I said fabric, and guess what? 
Victoria Walsh is the macrame mama. I don't, she works more with fiber, so I don't know if fabric is the right thing to say. Speaking of events that Victoria has coming up, we kind of were. She's got some installations and a group opening exhibition coming up here in a few days. So you're going to want to check out her on social media. You can follow her on all sorts of the social medias, but look her up at macramemama.com. That's M-O-M-M-A. In October, she's got the Pride Wrap in the Mills 50 district coming up. The Yellow Ribbon Project is happening again this year at the Orlando Museum of Art. That'll be in November. Uh, I don't know if you know this about Victoria, but she is actually an artist in residence at the Art and History Museum's Maitland, also known as the Maitland Art Center. But they are doing a group exhibition of some of the artists there. That'll be opening on October 9th and probably running through the end of the year, January. So something that you should be looking up for local artists and artists like Victoria who are wonderful. And it's not just going to be macrame. She's going to have a bunch of fiber art. So I'm looking forward to that. And you can, again, learn more about her work and her DIY kits. So you can do your own macrame, proceeds of which go to local nonprofits at macramemama.com. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, and visit toacertaindegree.com, where you can find past shows and guests and more information on both. And they are amazing. Central Florida is home to what seems like an unlimited supply of talented and remarkable people that I get to talk to a few of them every week in person, on the radio, when we get back to that, I'm pretty lucky. Borough Press, speaking of which, Ryan Rivas of Borough Press is pretty amazing, and he serves as publisher of that organization. They had some really big news recently. Before we get to that, though, here is Ryan from a 2019 episode of To a Certain Degree, where we discussed our favorite literary crimes. My first choice and I think it was the first one that popped into my head um, is from Roberto Bologna's 2666 2666 as some people call it okay I prefer to call it 2666 um, and uh, it's a very large book um, and are you talking about length and breadth yeah are you talking about width and height all of the dimensions all of the dimensions um, okay Volume. Let's just talk volume here. Okay. Uh, the, it has a, it's, yeah. So, see, I, I can't get that far into science without just hitting a dead end with you know, three words. Um, so, origin, and so it's a, it's a novel broken up into what you could argue are five novellas, like a novel in novellas kind of deal. Okay. And um, each one could be read on its own in a way, but there are lots of threads um, that, 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 that bleed into others. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and it's a very ambitious work. Yeah, and and the particular one that came uh, to mind was called. I thought it was called in my mind when we were talking about this idea. The part about the bodies, um, but it turns out that it's called the part about the crimes, and that's really on the nose. But whatever. Um, and so, in that book, um, well, I should say that when I first read this book, uh, I had a fever. And I was sick. It might have been the swine flu. Uh, and this would have been about, oh my gosh, it would have been about 10 years ago that I yeah, read this book. Yeah, that was um, big swine flu. And so, 
Yeah, everywhere. And, um, yeah, the housing market crashed, the swine flu yeah. was going through. We didn't think there was a future, and here we are. Here we are. I mean, you know, clearly something happened yeah. that tilted the uh, trajectory of, you know, Everything. the world and yeah. the arc of justice and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, I really it made me really want to reread the book, um, thinking about all these books that I haven't read for 10 years. Um, so this was like a you were reading it in the middle of a fever dream. Yeah, but it was it's the perfect kind of book to do that. And, um, and you know, it's about 800 pages. And so I didn't have anything to do. So for, it was like, I just, it was one of those books that not only is it appropriate for this conversation, but like, it's one of those where you remember where you were. And like, yeah. you also remember like just the full on experience of it. Um, like so many parts are vivid in my mind. And, um, and yet I was also, you know, hallucinating practically. I think the fever enhanced the read is my point. Although I wouldn't recommend intentionally getting a fever and reading this book. Um, uh, well, I wonder if that's an experiential sort of reading process that you should convey to your readers of Borough Press. Like, for example, mm -hmm. for Susan Lilly's book. What, we probably don't want them to be sick. No, no, no. So let's put that out there. That's an interesting idea, though. Yeah. But what should they be outdoors? Should they be mm. in a tree? I think outdoors is, is good for for Susan's outdoors yeah. or, you know, maybe like... Um, I'm only thinking of interesting states that one could read a book in, not appropriate for Susan's per se, but that's because my mind doesn't go to the serious things first. It's just I'm thinking of like, yeah. you know... Take the take the gallon of milk challenge and read something. Clockwork Orange. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So, all right. Moving anyway, on. let's get back to this. Really, yes. it's actually really serious. And also, another reason why I picked this um, is because a couple of weeks ago, there's a piece in the Times called "Someone Is Always Trying to Kill You" about the femicide that's happening in Honduras right now, mm -hmm. and in the other um, Northern Triangle countries. But but specifically, like. And it's, it is a Latin American trope, I suppose, of this essentially like ultra-violence against women. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a long piece that I do recommend by Sonia Nazario. It's in the Times Magazine. Um, I'll repeat the title. It's Someone is Always Trying to Kill You. And it's essentially about what's happening um, to women in Honduras and also, you know, provides some context for our larger issues and whatnot in 2666 in the part about the crimes um there's essentially this femicide happening in the city of santa teresa mexico which is a fictional city based on ciudad juarez um which was sort of made headlines for a little while for these violent murders that kept happening to, kept happening to women these bodies would be coming up mm -hmm. mutilated ter terrible terrible things we won't go into that detail um at seven in the morning um on a radio show um you know, sorry, commuters. But that's the basis for this novella within the novel. It follows a detective who's trying to solve these crimes, um, among a few other threads. And so the detective is sort of on this beat, and these bodies keep coming up. And we get, it's like over a hundred different murders. Um, and there's essentially like a hundred police report style descriptions within, like, sort of peppered in between the plot. Of these murdered women. And, oh, wow. Um, I chose it because because of the impact it had stylistically. Um, I've read a lot of crime and detective novels, but like none that are so like visceral and real, you know? Um, and 
none that are trying to do none that are like working on a on a on a sort of craft level to like impact the reader and make the reader feel something if this is elevated it's not a crime novel it's not a detective novel it's just you know and um just through the simple device of repetition of repeating you know these crimes over and over again and these just descriptions it creates this new this this sort of like wild ride of emotions so at first you read the descriptions and you're like you feel shock and then you get more narrative of the detective and he's you know kind of on the trail you almost feel like you're in his shoes and then you start to notice patterns in the descriptions oh like you know um things done to the bodies or things found at the scene and um you discover that most of the women are are some of the most vulnerable people in the area they're they're poor women who work at the maquiladoras which are essentially sweatshops um along the border mm-hmm. um so you see these patterns and then you think oh we're like in a traditional detective novel here you know somebody's gonna so this is we're gonna solve this um and then more and more descriptions pile on um the plot in terms of finding a suspect doesn't go anywhere and you start to kind of feel hopeless when these description descriptions come up you dread them right and then towards the end by you know like the hundredth description you become desensitized to them. Or when I say you, I'm speaking of my experience right. um, of reading it. Um, and so in this way, um, you kind of end up fully fully in the shoes of the detective in, in the sense that, like, you feel the same hopelessness. Um, you feel, and you go through, you kind of go through the motions with the character. Um, and, and that, to me, feels like uh, a sort of, journey through emotions that you don't usually get in crime novels and also usually like there's a culprit that's like caught well yeah it's it's generally Uh, solving something there's some satisfaction on one level or another uh typically in the crime novels but for that it just seems and so was that character the detective uh was that character did, did he appear in other parts of the book no, this was, this was his, Four. if he did, if he did, it was not as like a central character. Yeah. Um, but he is sort of the central character of this book among a couple others, but it, it's very much about, um, you know, and in a way, like it, it's also about the central character or the women, um, because you can't ignore a hundred vignettes, you know, that's, it's really, it's just, it's almost like you can't tell, you can't tell the novel uh, you can't tell the story, you can't write the novel without this bit in there, um, given that it is surrounding this sort of like border land, this area. And there's larger questions in the novel about, you know, evil and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but always on a on a sort of more gritty, realistic level. And this is sort of the embodiment of that. It's not a, a flighty novel necessarily. But um, but yeah, so that was a, that was quite a, had quite an impact when I read it. And for such a simple technique, like, yeah. to, it was, yeah. Have you read it again since then? No, I would like to, though. It's just so long. Yeah. And so it's a, it's going to be a commitment. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to find, carve out a little time. Next time I have a fever, maybe. Just <laughs> wait for that yeah. and have it ready to oh, go. There's the time. thermometer. Yeah. <laughs> there's the medicine. There's the book. Mm-hmm. Ryan Revis on WPRK 91.5 FM. I'm Nick Jurgudiu, and you are listening to A Certain Degree. This was from an interview recorded in April 2019. And big news for all you Borough Press fans out there. After 10 years of operating under the Urban Think Foundation, Borough Press is moving 
down the road a little bit, it will move its operations to Stetson University as part of its Master of Fine Arts of the Americas program. That's their writing masters. Ryan will join the Stetson staff as the new coordinator of MFA Publishing, and the press will continue to publish literature and print and online, so nothing is really changing that much. And they will hold literary events, hopefully in person, one of these days. Congratulations to Ryan, and please consider following Borough Press on social medias and subscribing to their publications. You're listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. Where is college radio? Is it in our hearts? No, of course not. It's radio. It's mostly invisible waves that are passing through all parts of your body at the same time. To a certain degree, therefore, is inside you every Monday from 7 to 9 a.m. on your FM dial at 91.5 or streaming at WPRK.org. WMFE 90.7 FM is another amazing radio station here in town, and one of the voices you'll hear there is Brendan Byrne. I've interviewed him a few times on the radio and even for print, that's still a thing, and we learned we are very similar. We both got bit by the radio bug. We're into going into space and the exploration thereof. And we both like beer. Here's Brendan from an October 2018 episode where we both discussed some of our local favorites. I went to this brewery specifically for this show. So I said, you know, I need to go to a new brewery and okay. drink a new beer so that I don't disappoint Nick. Um, so I went to Ivanhoe Park. I'm glad that disappointing me is... Uh, it's really is, what gets me through the day. Yeah. I don't want to disappoint you. Great. <laughs> Whatever it takes for motivation. Yes. So um, I went to Ivanhoe Park Brewery, which is... In, brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. It is a gorgeous location. Yeah. Like, beautiful building, like amazing bar um just a really really cool area so just off of virginia in the ivanhoe yep. area yep. so with a lot of already great places yep. to hang there's, out there's some eat. walkability great um it, it's a lot of fun so so um wife and i went there and i got the joyland um make sure i get this right here the joyland it's an american ipa um super easy to drink super light um i i had i had a few of them because <laughs> they were so good um, and just a really, really neat space. The The brewery is right there. There's this big, you know, kind of barn door that opens up that you can see all of the tanks and the kettles while mm -hmm. you're in there. Great space. There were a ton of dogs when I was there. Um, and uh, it was real busy, so I didn't really have a time to, to chat with the brewer or, or with the, uh, the bartenders or whatnot. So I ended up, I left, and I, I did a little bit of research, and I found out that it's, it's called the Joyland IPA because... At that site, there was the Joyland Water Park. Um, so this this guy back in the late 19th century, uh, George Russell, he um, he settled in the area. He first started living in Tampa, and then he came to Orlando and, and loved it a lot and ended up, you know, setting his roots there, opening up this seed and feed and fertilizer shop, and mm -hmm. it became this, like, you know, this massive business here. So he bought a bunch of land. With that money. As we all do sometimes. And the land is now current Ivanhoe area. Okay. And he grew pineapples. That was his thing. He grew nice. pineapples on this land. And uh, so no, take that, Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> what, what he did was he, he built these, uh, these kind of houses around them and had these boilers that would create steam that would make them hot. And so it would help the pineapples grow in this kind of hot, moist environment. Sure. Um, it was called a pinery. I don't know if you knew that, but that's called a pinery. I was not aware of that. Yeah. 
So he had all these, uh, this great pineapple business. Like you, you would never expect this. And he's had this great pineapple business and decided to open up a water park for the locals called Joyland. So it makes sense. I mean, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna grow pineapples. The next logical step is you open a water park. Yeah, no, right? perfect. <laughs> so, so the Ivanhoe Park um, Brewery they 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 kind of pay tribute to yeah. to George Russell with with the Joyland <laughs> IPA and and kind of the history of of what happened what happened there the the, the famous pineries of the southeast and uh, and the water park so I, I thought that was cool so so now when I drink it I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend that I taste a hint of pineapple in it right because. That's what they're doing. I love that you would also tell that story. Like you'd just be sitting there at the bar waiting for somebody to order one of those so you can tell them that story. Yes. Ah, you like pineapples? (laughs) Let me tell you about George Russell. (laughs) Did you just order the Joyland? (laughs) So, but also great beer. Great beer. Um, My wife and I did two uh, two flights, I think, and uh, there was not a bad beer on the menu. Really diverse beers. and also really great names. There was a Tupac Shapporter, which was my favorite name. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. And it was also very good, too. Well, it helps when that is the case, yeah. Yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, it was. it's a really, really great brewery. And, you know, if you're looking for a new place to go to, I would definitely check it out. It was It was a lot of fun. Great staff, great space. There was a food truck there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of have, like, a, a, a carport out the back, Um that the food truck's under, so you don't have to wait in the hot sun, oh, that's which is fantastic. nice. Yeah. So, but but again, the beer was delicious, American style IPA. So, hop forward, but but quite citrusy and refreshing. It was great. I'm Nick Chergu to you. You're listening to a certain degree. Thank you, Brendan Byrne, from an October 2018 episode where we discussed our favorite local beers. So many things have happened for Brendan since he came on the show. His amazing podcast, Are We There Yet? is now a regular weekly show on WMFE 91.7 FM. Consider listening and subscribing to that. He is brewing beer like nobody's business, the science and art of which you can follow along at Facebook. Well, follow him on Facebook, not just Facebook. Don't just follow Facebook. He also fulfilled a lifelong dream, maybe not lifelong, to get a story about space toilets on NPR. Now, are all these accomplishments because he was interviewed by me on WPRK? I think we can say yes. Follow him on Twitter at Space Brendan. That's B-R-E-N-D-A-N. Let's go back to a more innocent age now, many moons ago, with Ashley Ann Gardner, January 2019. We all remember that, I hope. We were jokingly talking about, well, not jokingly, we were seriously talking about our favorite dystopian futures. My favorite ideal dystopian future would also include zombies it's just it's just so it's so adventurous it's you know i just i really enjoy i really enjoy like taking a swing at you know something coming at me oh so you okay so your ideal dystopian future would allow you to get a lot of your aggression out yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, and do you have a lot of aggression? I'm here in a room with you oh, for no. the next two hours. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to scared. I'm not going to strike at any moment if that's what you're. Yeah, that's not. That's yeah, no. Not I, from what I understand, you're building it all up. I just I don't encounter a lot of adventure in my life, and ah. so I'm looking. I'm looking for a little, you know, like batting practice or you know, you know, archery practice or something that can really get me 
out there and be more active. And I think that the zombie apocalypse would do that for me. So you're also looking for an exercise regimen. Yes. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Is that uh, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, good, good. I'm glad we're getting it down to the heart of it. So what I'm thinking is more on the zombie land side, a little bit more lighthearted. You may kill Bill Murray, that sort of thing, rather than like a 28 days later, which is all just running. Running. God. I would rather... I would rather just take take a big swing at something that's coming at me real slow than have to run anywhere. You know? Yeah, I'm not a runner. I'm a I'm a I think I'm a hitter, a boxer. I'm okay. a boxer. I'm yeah. so glad you didn't say swinger there. No. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, so let's go to some of the suggestions uh, from other people. 1984 came up a few times. Now oh. George Orwell. Uh, again, I think it was people kind of thinking that uh, we're just looking for dystopian futures. But again, there's some comfort in somebody watching over your shoulder and judging you constantly, right? Mm, yeah. It's yep. like being a child again in many ways uh, with maybe an overprotective helicopter parent, if you will. So I think that uh, there is some positive to it. Would you agree with that? I I would agree to an extent because... What? To, it, a, to, to, to a certain degree? To a certain degree. To yeah. a certain degree, I would agree. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like when you're told exactly what you should do at every moment of the day, mm-hmm. you you are kind of given the freedom to think about things, you know, in your in your spare time, kind of. That's a really good point because that's the whole, like, um, I think... Uh, a couple of the recent presidents made that pretty famous, but Barack Obama was like that. He always had the same thing for breakfast. He mm-hmm. always uh, wore the same suit or whatever it was that he he did so that you saved sort of your decision-making and your thoughts for more important, higher-level things. Yeah, of course. That's a tr- So do you do that? Do you feel like, okay, I could wear, if it was socially acceptable, I could wear... The same thing every day, just black T-shirt and jeans. If I could do that for work or whatever your uniform of choice would be. I think my uniform of choice would be a a set of jeans or like slacks, you know, like chinos or something. Sure. With a striped black and white shirt. And that's it. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it. I mean, a pair of like Converse or something. Well, yes. Uh, you, shoes. We, uh, shoes. Shoes yes. are important. Yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't have, you know, a bunch of different outfits you had to wear in order to establish that you know what you were doing. Like your credibility is established by the way you look when you first come in, even if it's somewhere you've been a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. And then if somebody sees you walking down the street, they will know automatically that it's you. Oh, They won't I like have that. to guess. Like, like if somebody forgot their glasses that day, so unfortunately, and you were walking down the street, they could be like, oh, man, oh, that's Ashley. Uh, so it becomes like your superhero uniform. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. The only problem with that is, of course, there is the, su- the comic book trope of the person imitating you. Oh. So if you get single white femaled. Oh, no. Right? That's always a concern of mine, you know, with the beard and everything. Yeah. I could see that <laughs> happening quite a bit. Let's see what... Okay, so 1984 came up a lot, um, which is not the one with the talking animals. No, that's Animal Farm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think if we had more talking animals in 1984, it would be a much more lighthearted romp. What about Brave New World? Uh, no one mentioned that. 
Oh, I think that that is the most pleasant one, even though it's really, really messed up. Is it? Yeah. Okay, tell me about it because I don't quite remember it. I read it. I read it like three years ago, and what Back I can. You're in high school. Oh my god, no! When I was <laughs> when I was in grad school, I all all I really remember about it is that they take they take these these like medicines that make you feel happy all the time, and then everybody is encouraged to like date everybody else, and it's it's really nice on the surface but when you get right down to it it's not the best and there's like one guy who refuses to take the of course there's always that one guy there's always logan from logan's run there's always the dude from soylent green who tells you what it's made out of there's spoilers yeah it's like look we're just in our dystopian future can you just leave us alone just let me live my life uh, I did want to talk about some unexpected. So obviously there are the obvious, obviously there are the obvious. Um, there are the stories about a dystopian future and it's very uh, obvious what they are. Now there's some unexpected ones out there. So I just wanted to talk about a few of those today. So I did some research, I did tons of research about this. Okay. So I don't know if you realize this, a song Many songs have been written about dystopian futures and characters and such, uh, but one that you may not have expected, Poison, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. No way. Yeah, Every Rose Has Its Thorn, mm. just like Every Night Has Its Dawn, yeah. just like Every Cowboy Sings a Sad. That was the biggest one that I think, and they're, you know, uh, C.C. DeMille, uh, which is one of the band members of Poison, is like, guys, really... Every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. How did you not get that? That it's about the apocalypse and a post-dystopian or a post-apocalyptic future. Wow. You know, I never made that connection before. Yeah. Cece DeMille is a big listener. So shout out to Cece. Hey, what's up, Cece? Cece DeMille and you are listening to a certain degree. I'm Nick Chorgood you. Ashley Ann Gardner has a few things going on right now that she's excited about. She's currently teching Bright Young Things. That's Creative City Project's newest theatrical experience in downtown Orlando. It's running Friday and Saturday nights for the first three weeks in October, so check that out. You can get your tickets, if you so choose, at creativecityproject.com slash brightyoungthings. She also started an embroidery business, Titanium Lace. You can expect some rebellious flair in some of her embroidery patterns. Now, her most recent project is Krampus, perfect for friends and family who love a more spooky Christmas, if you will. And you can find her on Etsy if you so choose. The name of the shop is Titanium Lace Shop. Last but not least, she is the sound designer and audio mixer for Central Florida Community Arts' newest audio drama, Shakespeare's Much Ado, about nothing. I think that's one of his more famous works. That's slated to be released in mid to late October, and you can follow the CFC Arts Facebook page or go to the website at cfcarts.com to find out more about that. And we did record the Dystopian Future episode before we got into the Dystopian Future. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I hope you have a better idea of what some of the people of Orlando are all about, check out toacertaindegree.com. You can learn more about Ashley, Ryan, Victoria, and Brendan there. You can follow, you can like, you can subscribe, 
It encourages you to become more engaged with me. I get it. Your time is valuable. But wouldn't it be great to just connect with one more person and that person was me and you invited me over for homemade pancakes on occasion? Yeah, yeah, it would. I was Nick Jorgidiu. I, I will continue to be so. And you are listening to WPRK 91.5 FM.